athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. From all of us here at Botch to Row, I am your host, Donald Ware. This is our last quote-unquote regular show before our year-end review shows, which are going to take place over the next couple of weeks. And for those familiar with our year-end review shows, we take a look back at some of the great conversations that we've had with those over the past year, in this case, of course, 2021. You know, I had to go back and look and, and still looking at, at, at some of those guests. And, you know, each and every week we have great guests here on Box to Row. But when I really went back and looked at uh, some of the uh, guests that we've had on this program, it has been really tremendous. You look at a Troy Weaver, uh, the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. You look at a Brad Holmes, the general manager of the Detroit Lions. You look at an Eddie George, who's been a guest on the program. Remember when Sindog of Cypress Hill was a guest on the program back in uh, in the summertime. Uh, remember Margzetta Frazier from UCLA, the gymnast, uh, right, who had that great, and her teammates had that great floor performance, which garnered a lot of attention from Janet Jackson. I mean, we've had Bubba Wallace uh, appeared on the program. Like, we've had so many great guests and really great conversations. And really, each and every week, we have great guests on the program each and every week. Joe Taylor, uh, the former coach of Florida A&M, uh, of course, was part of, is now part of the College Football Playoff Committee. Joined us back in January, Rudy Hubbard, former Florida A&M uh, head football coach also, uh, who, who joined us, the, uh, the Florida A&M Rattlers, the first team to win a, uh, an FCS, or at that time, one AA national championship, joined us uh, back in January as well. So we've had some really great guests. You know, we, we do try to do something a little bit different on the program. We bring you sports guests. We're going to bring you entertainers. As I mentioned, Sindog joined us on the program uh, back in the summertime. We talked, you know, we talked a, a lot, talked a lot of sports uh, as well. So we try to do something uh, a little bit different for you on this program. And I want to uh, make you aware of something else. Uh, another project that we have associated with Box to Row called Radio Boss, all right? And with Radio Boss, generally speaking, we talk uh, with a lot of celebrities. So we talk with them about what they do, but we talk with them also about sports as well. And for more information on Radio Boss, 
you can log on to our website at radio-boss.com, radio-boss.com. Listen, we got a whole lot to get to on today's program. Travis Hunter, okay, one of the top players in the country from high school, right, was on his way to Florida State. Then took a detour, right? I saw the video. He had the Florida State hat on. He took it. He threw it. He threw it. He unzipped his shirt. Somebody at the same time threw him another hat. And the hat that was thrown to him, and when he unzipped his shirt, it was Jackson State. So Travis Hunter flipping from Florida State to ultimately Jackson State now. So, uh, we're going uh, to talk a little bit uh, about that. I think that is obviously a big move. It's a huge move, uh, for, certainly for uh, Jackson State. What does it mean uh, for HBCU football, HBCUs moving forward? We're certainly going to have that conversation today here on Box to Row. Also on Box to Row today, you know, Stephen Curry is absolutely tremendous. The greatest shooter that the game has ever seen all right and I I I look at and and just for full disclosure and and there's a reason okay so I haven't looked at the top 75 NBA list as of yet and I want to be fully transparent one of the reasons that I haven't I mean I know some of who's on the list and I've heard things and talking with, with when people talk and all of those kind of things but I haven't fully, and I know some of the people who aren't on the list that people feel like should be like a Clay Thompson. Um, I, I want to have an opportunity because this list came out during the course of football season, right? So we got football season wall to wall up to our eyeballs each and every week, not to mention whether it's the NFL or, or college football, specifically HBCUs. Uh, you know, you have the NBA. You have all of these different things, college basketball going on right now, um, where I need an opportunity to sit down and really analyze the list. I remember when the 50, uh, the 50 greatest players list came out back in 1994. I remember it vividly because I remember that Shaquille O'Neal was on that list. And I was thinking to myself, no way in the world at that time, Shaquille O'Neal, where he sat at that moment, should have been on the list. I realized what the NBA was doing. It was looking forward because you don't want to have a list like that. And that guy, a, a fifty, the 50 greatest players list, and 20 years later, he has become one of the top maybe 20 players to ever play the game, probably, not maybe, probably, one of the top 20 players, and we could even shrink it down to one of the top 15 players, uh, maybe arguably one of the top 10 players, meaning Shaquille O'Neal, to ever play, and he was not on that list, so I get it. And in looking in this top 70, not looking, I haven't seen the list, but I'm sure on this top 75 list there may be some guys like that as well. But I'm willing to bet, and I hope that a – Steph Curry would be on that list, right? So Steph Curry on to, fittingly, he breaks the record or, I don't know, a better way of putting it maybe reestablishes the record. But, you know, then again, I don't know if, I mean, 
think about it. Steph Curry's probably got four or five good years left as a player in the NBA. And he's already he already has the record for the most threes ever made in the history of the NBA. So you gotta figure he's gonna that record's gonna be crazy. But records are made to be broken broken. Would this be a record that could be broken? Possibly the way that guys are shooting the ball uh now. See, when I was coming up, and even before that, I mean you had some guys that could shoot, but it wasn't really a long-distance jump-shooting game. You had guys that had mid-range games, could take it to the whole big guys, play with their backs to the basket, etc. Now, everybody can shoot. Guys that are seven feet, Kevin Durant, can shoot the basketball, right? So it's a much different game. And Steph Curry, three championships, he's had a phenomenal career. But what I want to really focus on with Steph Curry is the fact that he played his collegiate basketball at Davidson. See, we talk about Steph Curry, right? And we talk, we give him all the great accolades that he deserves. Great shooter. Uh, You know, he's really transformed his game when you think of, and he's not a true point guard. Like he plays the point guard position, but he's not a true point guard, which is neither here nor there. Okay, because I think sometimes we talk about well, who are some of the greatest point guards to ever play. Could Steph Curry be on the list of greatest point guards? I would say if you if if you're you know, if you were saying greatest point guards by position and not a true point guard, like Chris Paul's a true point guard, Steph Curry's not a true point guard. He plays the point guard position. If you were to say guys that played the point guard position, then, of course, Steph Curry would be on that list. If you said true point guards, then I wouldn't put him on that list um, necessarily. But as one of the great players, not only in the game, but of all time, somehow, and and fittingly, uh, right? And, and it's not all, you know, once you get to, you establish yourself as a pro, you know, the the you know, what you did in college and where you went to college and all of those kind of things sort of becomes a lot less. But I think what needs to be pointed out once again is that Steph Curry went to Davidson. He went to Davidson. He didn't go to Kentucky. He didn't go to Carolina. He didn't go to Duke. He didn't go to Maryland. He didn't go to UCLA. He didn't go to Villanova. He went to Davidson. Okay, and I remember when he played. I remember when Davidson played and beat Georgetown. I'm, you know, huge Georgetown fan. Was it maybe 09? Um, I'm like, man, this guy's an NBA player, the way he shot the basketball. Now, I didn't think that he would develop into the really all-around player that he's become. You can even see this year he's put on a lot of bulk. He's a better defender. You know, he's much stronger. His ball handling skills have really evolved since he's come into the league. So he's really a really good ball handler, can create his own shot, can hit off screens on the set shot. I mean, it's not much Steph can't do from an offensive standpoint. This is a guy that went to Davidson, which is a beautiful thing. You don't have to go to one of the big boy schools necessarily to have a great professional career. It used to be like that way back in the day, and it can still be that way today, and Steph Curry, it's a testament, okay, to Steph Curry and what he was able to be able to establish. Didn't help, didn't hurt, of course, that his, 
you know, his father was uh, was Del Curry. And by the way, his brother, uh, remember, went to big went to Virginia Tech and to Duke. And uh, I mean, and I'm not trying to compare brothers, but I'm just saying that Steph Curry is a phenomenal player. I'm sure he's on the top 75 NBA list. So a lot to get to. We still I still want to get also to Urban Meyer and his dismissal from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't you have to be, and my question would be, and you can answer this question on Twitter at Boxtero, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Don't you have to be an innovative, offensive type of college coach to coach on the NFL level? So we've got that and so much more as Boxtero rolls on. BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to row. We're back here on Box to Row. If you want to join in on the conversation, hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. You've got the Celebration Bowl coming up on Saturday in Atlanta. And in a lot of respects, it is the game that will determine the HBCU National Champion. Obviously, if Jackson State wins it, then Jackson State would be national champs. If South Carolina State wins it, then you've got a bit of an issue. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I'm going to give you some perspective. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Celebration Bowl, on the matchup, and who I think ultimately will win that game. I want to talk recruiting uh, a little bit. Of course, uh, we rank the top 10 HBCU football recruiting classes, and we're going to do that uh, when quote-unquote regular National Signing Day takes place in February, that first Wednesday in February, or traditional National Signing Day. But making headlines, okay? Jackson State makes headlines again by ultimately Deion Sanders 
and Jackson State going out and signing cornerback Travis Hunter, ranked as the second best player in the country. And when he was on, uh, did his signing deal, had the Florida State hat on, took it off, threw it off, uh, getting ready to open uh, or unzip his his uh, jacket, and somebody threw him a Jackson State hat, puts the Jackson State hat on with the Jackson State shirt, and so Travis Hunter shakes up, really shakes up the recruiting world by signing with Jackson State. I think it's an absolutely tremendous thing for, uh, one, for Jackson State, uh, and ultimately uh, for HBCUs. Uh, Again, we've talked about this for years, and I've talked about this for many, many years, going back to my days as a student at Morgan State University, writing about this, writing about how uh, black athletes – don't sign at HBCUs, how at one time uh, black athletes couldn't even go to the schools that uh, they're ultimately swarming to go to now. And so this is a really great thing. You talk about a five-star kid that ultimately signs, uh, a beautiful thing. When you look back, and I know a lot was made about Shador Sanders, Deion Sanders, son when he ultimately signed with Jackson State on last year he wasn't the first four-star recruit to sign at an HBCU ever since I've been ranking or we've been doing these rankings uh, for the top HBCU recruiting classes Travis Ward running back for Tennessee State uh, at least since I can remember And, and again it depends on how long I don't even know how long you've been ranking you know, how long we've been putting stars by uh, recruits' names. But uh, Travis Ward running back, he was out of Dillard High School in Florida, if my memory serves me correctly, signed with Tennessee State as a four-star running back. He, and it wasn't one of those deals where he signed with someone else and then ultimately signed with with Tennessee State. I'm talking about right out of school. Uh, he was the first. Uh, but now you have a five-star kid, and it's never happened uh, in HBCU football so it is a really really good thing Um, and I tell you what you got a lot of coaches a lot of coaches that are up in arms that are not happy uh, at all and I'm talking about uh, power five uh, uh, coaches whether they've come out publicly uh, or not some allegations been put out there the whole bar stool thing whatever at the end of the day uh, he uh, Travis Hunter signed uh, with Jackson State and you know the NIL deal is something totally I mean it's just a whole nother conversation I mean you got a lot of you got a lot of things going on we'll say in college athletics and specifically in college football I mean you got the NIL you've got the transfer portal which is a problem the transfer portal is uh, is an issue and it's going to be an issue because it's going to get full. I mean, nowadays, you know, it, it was one time, and I, and I want to get off on the whole transfer portal. I, I have a, a, a point to make about the signing of Hunter to Jackson State and what it means for HBCUs moving forward and even for Jackson State. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a time you just you played ball, right? And if you 
you know, you were in the circumstance. It, it was, you know, and, and, and there are circumstances where guys need to leave, okay, need to leave to do something else, have to leave. There are those type of situations. I think nowadays you're seeing more situations where guys just want to leave. They're not happy because of whatever. They're not getting the playing time or, or whatever the case may be. Um, that is not, you know, it's not a crucial deal. Like a family member passes away. You want to be back at home with your family, a mother or father, something like that, where you have those kinds uh, of situations. So the transfer portal's a, a deal. NIL, uh, you know, I, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to get used to NIL. I'm not a proponent of NIL at all. I, 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 I wish there was a better way because at least what the when the NCAA was regulating and said, okay, uh, student athletes couldn't get paid, although we, we know of instances where, you know, it's happened, where it was under the table or whatever the case may be. I mean, it was, for the most part, across the board, so there was no particular advantage uh, to a student athlete. Now you have some student athletes that can take advantage of it. Uh, most can uh, cannot, right, because they're not high-profile uh, enough. So the, the the playing field isn't level. Again, that's a whole nother uh, conversation. Getting back to Travis Hunter and Jackson State. I ultimately, what I would ultimately like to see is I would like to see this be a, res, a residual for HBCUs as a whole. And listen, I, 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 I hope we see that. Um, I, I you know, I, you know, in ranking these recruiting classes over the years, I mean, I can go. Obviously, Jackson State had the number one recruiting class, a bunch of, you know, a, a, quite a few, actually, a couple of four-star kids right out of high school, uh, some transfers. I mean, they had some some guys. Uh, no, no question about it. I think for us, we give uh, more weight to high school signees uh, than transfers, and and more specifically, transfers from FBS programs. And, you know, you go back a couple of years ago to 2020 when Florida A&M had a really, really good recruiting class. I think Willie Simmons had like, I don't know, uh, maybe eight, seven or eight or nine three-star kids that signed um, with that recruiting class. That was a big, you know, a, a, a big recruiting class. And we'll see, right? Like this is the early signing period, but I want, I'd like to see an I hope this happens. The residuals of what Deion Sanders is doing at Jackson State will permeate throughout HBCUs. We'll ultimately see, of course, you get him in there. You got to coach him up. It's not just about, okay, he's got the, the kids got the talent. You got to be able to get in there, coach him up, make sure, you know, that the the kid that you signed lives up to that five-star, four-star, three-star, whatever it is in terms of that expectation, right? From a publicity standpoint, you know, you want to see this result in other schools benefiting. I think ultimately it will. When I look at Deion Sanders, and I've had issues with what Deion, some of the things that Deion, Coach Sanders has said, you know, over his time as the head coach at Jackson State, where I think his heart is, is ultimately what's best for kids and for this to benefit HBCUs as a whole. I think that is where he is, okay? So I, I, 
I think it's great. And obviously, everybody can't sign at Jackson State. So it does elevate, uh, uh, at least, you know, in theory, HBCUs. It it, it, It certainly brings to light the fact that, listen, uh, you know, at once upon a time, you couldn't go to said school. I mean, I'm not going to name schools. Schools know who they are, right, uh, in terms of the schools you couldn't go to because you were black. You know who you are. So, I don't, you know, there's no really need to, to name that. You know, people want to talk about, well, that was back in the day. And all. Look, man, at the end, of, look, it happened, right? May not be on you specifically, but it happened at these schools. By the way, uh, you know, black colleges have always signed five-star kids. You just didn't call them five-star kids. You look at some of the greatest players to ever play the game, uh, particularly in the National Football League, uh, as, as a lot of them are, are, a lot of them are HBCU kids, okay? Want to see this be a residual for HBCUs across the board and speaking specifically to football, right? You're going to have some kids that come in. You look at Isaiah Land. By the way, the Box to Row Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year, if you haven't seen the Box to Row All-America team or the, the, the players that won the Superlative Awards, you can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. But Isaiah Land wins the Box to Row Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year. Well, it's one of uh, Willie Simmons' first signings. Okay, and look at where this kid is. I don't remember. I can't remember if he had stars by his name, right? But look at where he is now. And also, he's one of three finalists for the Buck Buchanan Award for the top defensive player in FCS football. So we've all, you know, we, we, we've always had good players. But from a publicity standpoint, four-star kids signed, specifically five-star kids signed to HBCUs. Now you're really changing uh, the game now the publicity is really coming to HBCUs as a whole. I think right now the publicity is it, it, it does uh, it, it, it does come to HBCUs because Jackson State is an HBCU, but I really want to see these guys sign at other schools as well. It really becomes a win for HBCUs as a whole. When you have more four and five star kids signing at HBCUs as a whole and not just Jackson State. Point number two, and listen, I mean, it's great to play for the HBCU National Championship. That's ultimately what Jackson State is going to play for on Saturday against South Carolina State. And if Jackson State wins that football game, going to be the undisputed HBCU national champs. No doubt about that, okay? The other thing is this. You know, you get a Travis Hunter to go there. You get other guys to go. You build up this talent level there at Jackson State, which is a beautiful thing, right? I mean, if you get enough talented kids, okay, you come in, coach them up right. I mean, it's it, it's going to lend to Jackson State probably winning most of its football games. 
Okay. Jackson State basically is five points away from ha- or four points away from having an undefeated season. Only loss on the season was to Louisiana Monroe. And it doesn't mean that Jackson State hasn't played in some close games. First game of the season, Florida A&M 7-6. Uh, you know, you look at the game more recently against Valley. I think, what was that, 28-17? to 17? Like, Valley hung in that game. Uh, I mean, Jackson State has played some, and some teams have played Jackson State close uh, more recently. I mean, Jackson State did put a whooping on Alabama A&M. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the games haven't been like a huge disparity. Okay, but again, that's first year. You just wait till the program builds up for as long as Deion Sanders is going to be there. Right? Winning SWAC championships is great. Winning HBCU national championships is great. But if Jackson State continues on the path it's on and gets all of this talent for however long the talent in Deion Sanders is there, now you're talking about a program that can compete nationally, okay, can win perhaps an FCS championship. Ah, alas, Jackson State can't play as things stand right now, can't play for the FCS National Championship. Why? Because the SWAC, with Jackson State being part of the SWAC, is committed to the Celebration Bowl. Now, of course, Florida A&M was able to get the at-large bid, but Florida A&M did not win the conference championship. As it is right now, it's a mandate that the SWAC champion and the MEAC champion play in the Celebration Bowl. It's great. It's, I I mean, you're going to get more exposure and you're going to get more money, okay, playing in the Celebration Bowl than you ultimately would playing and going through the playoffs and playing for a national championship on the FCS level. But wouldn't you want to see an HBCU play for a national championship on the Division I level, meaning FCS right now? I know I certainly would. It's one of the reasons that Buddy Pugh and others in the MEAC fought against this Celebration Bowl for so many years. You go back, you know, 2011 when South Carolina State was strong, when Bethune-Cookman was strong, when those programs had a chance to compete on the national level, a chance to compete on the national level, okay? And Jackson State, the way it's building, has that kind of program, unfortunately, cannot play for the national championship. So is this what Jackson State is building? Is this an opportunity for Jackson State uh, maybe to ultimately move to the FBS? I mean, I I don't know about that. uh, uh, But, you know, again, at the end of the day, if you have this kind of program, don't you want to show it and compete for national championships? And if you keep building these kind of programs, I mean, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna find that perhaps FBS teams don't want to play you because they don't want to give up the money and the loss, you know. So it may be a little bit more difficult, you know. You, I mean, you may be able to get some, you know, Power Five schools to play maybe if they're not still salty because you're taking, you know, you're not stealing their recruits. No such thing as stealing recruits, right? Like it, that's absurd. But they're going to be salty because they had a kid that was committed and now they've gone to Jackson State and hopefully, ultimately, to other HBCUs. I'm going to table it right there. I'm going to get your thoughts on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Up next, I'm going to talk some Celebration Bowl 
and give you my thoughts on the matchup between South Carolina State and Jackson State. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Bubba Wallace. They feel like I am throwing a race into the context here. and It's not about race. He's a driver at the end of the day. Everybody's making it about race. It's all about the headlines these days. Not me saying like, yep, I'm the black guy here. You're going to stop hearing about me. It was more along the lines of the fans like, hey, it's cool. I've been dealing with that for, for a while. He's Spike Lee. Thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on radios all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third generation Morehouse man. I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. And, uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Ron Rivera, you know, a great player. Did you see yourself as a coach? I've been told a lot of times by a lot of people, boy, you know, you're kind of like a coach on the field. I always felt at some point, yeah, I'd probably get into coaching. It all started because of my son wanting to play football. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You get to <laughs> You're encouraging people to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up at Sam just because I wanted to major in business, and Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. Dave Roberts, manager of the L.A. Dodgers, to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers, what does that mean to you? Well, I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and, and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball to do things the right way, to hopefully give others, other people of color, opportunities. Hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Omari Hartwick. And that's crazy that you say that. I got one of your colleagues and one of your contemporaries and that being Stephen A. He hit me about three weeks ago and he texted me and he said, oh, how did I miss this one? But it's equally been a beautiful thing for me to see how much you guys who work in sport are fans of me. But for you to like it as much as Stephen A. said he liked it and all within the last three weeks, you both are commenting on it. I'm in good company. We're, we're HBCU guys, you know. I know I'm in good well, company. Of course, bro. <laughs> Shout outs to Howard University. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. She's Simone Biles. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, like, we're in the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body, and we hope that other young girls and women, like, feel that 
being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm -hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honest. Still, you football leagues have done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown Division one. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having the brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the press box to press row is the the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real relevant radio. You're listening to from the press box to press row. From the press box to press row. Box to box to box to box to row. We're back here on Box to Row. Let's take a look at the matchup between Jackson State and South Carolina State in the Celebration Bowl on Saturday. I look at South Carolina State, and you really can't look at the record. Six and five on the season. But I think, I, I think it's misleading if you look at South Carolina State's record. A very, very tough record tough schedule if you think about it I mean of the 11 games only four of those games were at home got to open the season on the road against Alabama A&M on the road against Clemson first three games on the road again against first off defending champ at that time HBCU national champ Alabama A&M then at Clemson then at New Mexico State, which, by the way, the Bulldogs fall in that game by eight points. New Mexico State in FBS program, okay? Um, so this was a very tough schedule, only four games at home. And you look at South Carolina State starting the season off with three losses, okay, and four losses in five games. So started the season out one uh, and you know, ultimately, what, one in five? No, one in four, excuse me, one in four. And then goes on to win four straight games before before falling at home to North Carolina A&T, a non-conference game, and then winning at home uh, against Norfolk State to end the season, which amounted to the, uh, the MEAC championship, all right? You know, I look at, South Carolina State, and to me, I think where it begins now that doesn't this doesn't mean this is what's going to happen on Saturday, but I think where it begins is with the running game, and it begins with Kendrell Flowers, who I who had a really really good season. Like I had a chance to see him up close and personal, and I me, mean, you generally don't run on a and T. 
as a whole. But this kid had like 151 yards rushing in the football game, had a touchdown, had a, had a couple of uh, – well, a long run and then a couple of really uh, nice runs. And, you know, the South Carolina State can run the football. Now the question becomes, can it run the football against Jackson State? And really that's a whole nother question because Jackson State has given up less than 100 yards rushing uh, per game. But again, just like A&T, you don't run the football against A&T. Is this the day that South Carolina State can find a way to run the football against Jackson State? We'll ultimately see. I look at Corey Fields Jr. At, as the quarterback. Now, he got injured in that A&T game. I believe he did come back for the Norfolk State game, but he's had, obviously, uh, a month uh, to rest since that Norfolk State game. You look at his numbers, completing 51% of his passes on the season, 21-44 in terms of passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. You concern yourself with the interceptions. But I think when you look at this receiving core, right, it's a good receiving core. Will Vereen, Shaq Davis. Shaq Davis is really, really good. He's a guy that can stretch the field. He's averaging in excess of 20 yards uh, per reception. So when I look at South Carolina State from an offensive perspective, I compare that with what Jackson State is going to bring defensively. Again, you look at it, giving up less than 100 yards rushing per game. And, you know, in the passing game, you know, not, I mean, pretty good. Like, giving up 156 yards. I mean, you look at this Jackson State team, it's giving up less than 260 yards of total offense uh, per game. So that, you know, could that cause issues for, uh, for South Carolina State? Certainly could, right? When you look at, Jackson State's defense, okay, and I talked about, you know, some of uh, as a whole. But then you look at from an individual standpoint. You look at a, you know, a, a a Keontae Hampton. You look at an Aubrey Miller. I mean, these guys, these linebackers. I mean, they got that that that's two of the best linebackers in the country. Okay, I look at that line and James Houston and Antoine Owens. Those are guys that are going to put it on the quarterback. Going to get to the quarterback. So. If you're South Carolina State, I mean, your offensive line has to come and play that day. James Houston's got 14 and a half sacks on the season. That is absolutely tremendous. And Antoine Owens, uh, not bad. He's got six sacks, but he's got 17 tackles for loss on the season. You look at that secondary, you know, Shiloh Sanders and those guys in the secondary, right? But I'm telling you now, South Carolina State's got some guys that can stretch the field, and I believe if South Carolina State gives Corey Fields, the offensive line of South Carolina State can give Corey Fields some time, then, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be a lot of big plays by South Carolina State, but remember, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I look at the offensive outburst, that South Carolina State had against Alabama A&M scoring 41 points, losing by one. Now, I get it. Alabama A&M's defense wasn't very good. But, I mean, you look at the 35 points that that uh, South Carolina State put up uh, against New Mexico. You look at the 35 points that South Carolina State put up um, against Norfolk State. So it's a an offense 
that when clicking can put points on the board, okay? Now, let's flip it. Let's take a look at uh, Jackson State's offense, right? Shador Sanders, the quarterback, has been absolutely tremendous this year. He's third in FCS in terms of completion percentage at 68%. By the way, he's the box-to-row rookie of the year. He's had a really, really good season. There's no question about that. I looked at, uh, you know, his numbers the the last couple of games, not as strong as, um, you know, maybe going back to early on. But but still, he's, he's good. This is the thing about Jackson State, though, okay, that I think Jackson State's going to have to be able to do and – that's going to be to run the football, okay? And that is something that Jackson State has not done a good job of this year. You can't be one-dimensional, right? Like you look at Shador Sanders, excellent passer. He's not going to run the ball. I mean, he, he may get you a couple of yards here and there, but in terms of having the actual ability, uh, not that he doesn't have the ability, but he just hasn't done it. Like I think his, his, um, his yardage on the season I think is like – uh, net yards, like one yard. He's rushed for like one yard on the season. Uh, matter of fact, looking at the stats right now, he's rushed for one yard net on the season. He's got three rushing touchdowns. So, you know, if you're uh, Jackson State, I mean, you know, you, you got to be able to you got to be able to establish that run. You know, South Carolina State's defense. You can look at the the numbers all you want. Uh, with respect to South Carolina State's defense. The numbers don't matter when it comes to a Buddy Pugh coach defense for South Carolina State. Numbers don't matter. They say numbers don't lie. No, with South Carolina State's defense, numbers don't matter. Okay, if the numbers aren't great, South Carolina State always is going to have a good defense. So I think Jackson State somehow is going to have to be able to establish a semblance of a running game because – while you look at Shador Sanders and what he has done and could be able to do, you look at this receiving core for Jackson State, which is really, really good. You look at Keith Corbin. You know, you look at Malachi Whiteman. You look at these guys. Um, you know, you look at a Travante Rucker who can stretch the field. Like, you know what Jackson State can do in the pass game. But, South Carolina State's got a, a decent pass defense and's got a premier cornerback in Dakobe Durant. Remember, got an opportunity to be drafted, was a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award, had two interceptions uh, in the game against Clemson. And this is a kid that can really, really play. Okay, so, you know, you're, you're going to have to be able to have some success. South Carolina State, uh, may be able to generate a bit of a pass rush. And the linebackers, okay, for South Carolina State are really, really good when you're talking about B.J. Davis and Chad Gilchrist, all right? Where South Carolina State has struggled and going to have to be better against Jackson State is, is pass rushing, okay? Only 14 sacks on the season. That's not going to get it done. You got to put pressure on Shador Sanders, 
okay? Make him feel uncomfortable. He's passed all the tests so far this season. He passed the opening day test, right? That was the first game of his career. He's a rookie, okay? He had he threw for, I think he, did he throw or run for a touchdown? Either way, I think he had, you know, he was part of the touchdown that Jackson State had against Florida A&M, all right? So, you know, you know, and then he and then he just went from there and the pass completion. And I'm not talking about decent dinks and dunks. It's not like he's got that, you know, close to 70% pass completion and he's dinking and dunking. He's throwing the ball down the field. The kid can throw the football, okay? You got to make him, if you're South Carolina State, get him out of that pocket. Make him make some mistakes because he has made some mistakes this year. He has fumbled the football. He's only thrown a limited amount of interceptions. My point is... He passed the first test, which was the opening game. Went throughout the course of the season, okay? Passed the second test, which was the regular season. Passed the third test, which was the SWAC championship game, okay? Now can he pass the fourth test, which is the Celebration Bowl, okay? Against a South Carolina State team that has gotten to this point. Buddy Pugh has been, been waiting to get to this point and now he's here, and you know that South Carolina State team is going to be hungry. Can Shador Sanders pass the fourth test? That'll be the key. Listen, a lot of storylines, a lot of matchups in this game. I realize that Jackson State would be the favorites. Most people would pick Jackson State. I'm going to go against the grain, and I'm going to pick – South Carolina State in this football game. I think South Carolina State has had much time to prepare. Now, that may not necessarily be the best thing, but I think it will be in this instance. Buddy Pugh and his staff's going to have those guys disciplined, ready to rock and roll, okay? South Carolina State almost has nothing to lose. Six and five record, you know, nobody's expecting them to win. They're the underdogs in this game. They're going to come out and play that way. Nothing to lose. On the other side, Jackson State's got a lot going on. You've got the, the recruiting. All Everybody's watching. You know, all of those things. And you got to come out and prove that you deserve all of the accolades that you're getting. I think it's going to be a good football team, uh, a good football game. I'm going to go with South Carolina State in this football game. Um. It's going to be a close game. You know, I think it comes down to a field goal. I think we're talking about, well, I say a field goal. I say four points or less with South Carolina State winning the Celebration Bowl. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of the program on the other side. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of four hundred of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky Yeah, that's right. Because that's the way we roll.
It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Thank you for making Box to Row a part of your day. So, Urban Meyer out as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just two wins on the season for the Jaguars. A lot of missteps, to say the least, by Urban Meyer. Finally got him thrown out of the building. The latest incident, uh, uh, he kicked the kicker. That was the latest incident with Urban Meyer, in addition to all of the other missteps uh, that have happened with him with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think one of the reasons, I mean, you can look at the two wins, you can look at all of the missteps, all of those kind of things with Urban Meyer. I think the main thing, okay, the main thing is that Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick who everyone says uh, is that, you know, is a can't miss, can't miss guy, right, is missing, okay? I mean, in the last game against the Titans, through four interceptions, four of them, four in one game, he's got 14 interceptions on the season. As a rookie, I mean, that's like, that's not, I mean, that's not, in, I mean, it's not awful. You know, you look at the way Peyton Manning's career started, all right? Uh, but he's the number one pick, and if you look at the guys that have been picked after him, you know, I, I mean, it's not like any any of the rookie guys are, necessarily lighting the world on fire uh, but the number one picks only got nine touchdowns also okay to me listen when I look at that Jacksonville squad like I looked at Robinson at the running back and you know I mean it, it was a couple of guys that could 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 play were veteran guys that have been productive in the National Football League, at least from an offensive perspective. Now, you know, defense is another thing. But from an offensive perspective, I mean, you've had some guys that have had some success. You needed a quarterback to help, you know, those guys. And, you know, you look at Trevor Lawrence's opening game. He throws three interceptions in the opening game. uh, But he also throws three touchdowns, right? The lack of development. I think if you look at a, a a Jaguars team that's got two wins to this point, um, but you look at and you say, okay, you know, the team, I mean, because think about it. I mean, the wins were good. Like the, the win over the Bills, man, that's a big win. It doesn't matter. Nine to six, whatever. You won the football. It's a big win. One of the better teams in the National Football League. You, you beat them, right? You can go with the two wins if it looks like the organization or the team is moving in the right direction, okay? The problem is you had the missteps by Urban Meyer. The team, you know, you wanted to see them build on something after that went over the bills, couldn't do it. And most notably, I think, you look at Trevor Lawrence and the lack of success that Trevor Lawrence has had in his rookie season. Now, you know, is that, a du- is that a direct correlation to Urban Meyer? I mean, I, you know, like, was Urban Meyer, in other words, was Urban Meyer like a, a, a Cliff Kingsbury, right? You know, a guy that establishes quarterbacks, uh, you know, that comes from that comes from college that's a, an offensive uh, guy and a quarterback guy. Like, no, Urban Meyer, more of a traditional uh, coach, won, na- you know, national championships, right? 
um, you know, you can even go back to his time at Utah when he, I mean, you know, when he was getting it done there. But when you look at Lawrence, okay, and he's not really progressing, he's hasn't had a good season at all. You couldn't even say, well, he's had an old case. You know, he's had a bad season, you know, um, in all of the other things, right? I think that's what get, gets Urban Meyer shown the door. If you look at it and you say, okay, you're, you, you only got two wins on the season, you know, let's reverse that. Let's reverse the numbers. You know, let's say Trevor Lawrence is 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Let's say the completions percentage, instead of being at 58, it's like it's 62, 63. You know what I mean? Then, I, you know, I, I I think we're having a different conversation because, I mean, apparently the, 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 the kicking of the kicker, I mean, it wasn't like this happened I guess, I guess, at least from my understanding, it wasn't like this happened this week. This happened some other time. So now all of a sudden it comes out. You know, I mean, you know, it, it was just another thing that got Urban Meyer fired, ultimately. Trevor Lawrence looks better, right? The team, you know, you know, looks better. I mean, listen, Jacksonville was in shambles when Urban Meyer took took over the team I mean you're talking about a team that was what like four or five years ago played in the AFC championship game you know you're looking at that team to take the next step and it just went downhill from there so it was in in bad shape anyway okay uh and so you bring in Urban Meyer and by the way if I'm if I remember correctly it wasn't like Urban Meyer was clamoring to be a head coach like I think he was made an offer he couldn't refuse. You know, he was given a lot of money, a lot of money, right? Almost um, to the point that, you know, you, you, you couldn't, he couldn't really turn it down. 10 to $12 million a year? What? And you've never, I mean, you, 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 you've had your success in college? Like, you're not going to turn that down. And that's ultimately, I think, Part of what happened here, um, I don't think he was seeking the job. Uh, he got offered the job. It, it was another challenge. Uh, you know, when you're coming from college, it's too hard. Like, you know, look at Matt Rule. Like, Matt Rule had a lot of success turning around programs in college. I mean, I think the jury's still out on Matt Rule. I mean, I, I know, you know, you're hearing some whispers of will he return next year and all of those kind of things. I mean, I think – you know, you've been beset, you know, you know, you've been beset by injuries at a quarterback issue, right? You know, you bring in Cam back. You know, Christian McCaffrey's hurt. The defense have been solid. I mean, I think he deserves some more time. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury's gotten it done, right? So that makes it hard because you look at one coach who's getting it done, another who's not. It's hard to make that transition from college to the National Football League. Um, and Urban Meyer just couldn't get it done. Uh, more so to me, missteps. And the fact that Trevor Lawrence not only not playing well, but also not trending in the right direction. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Don't forget the Box to Row All-America teams and superlative awards can be found on our website at BoxToRow.com. Next couple of weeks, our year-end review shows as we take a listen back to some of the great conversations that we had in 2000. 
2021. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is produced by DW Communications.